Hi there. Thank you for joining us on the Redeemer Church podcast. Here at Redeemer, we exist to see Christ exalted in our church, community, and world. It is our mission to lead people into the presence of God, devotion to His Word, authentic fellowship with others, and discovering their ministry. We hope that this podcast is just one of the ways you connect to God's presence this week. Let's check out this week's message. Good morning. It is good to be with you in the presence of God today, and also great to be with all of you who are worshiping right now from many different locations. I know where a lot of you actually are, and I applaud you for actually tuning in for church this morning. Um, Two weeks ago, I kicked off this series by teaching on why Scripture is true and authoritative. And last week, our adult discipleship pastor, Dave, took us all to seminary and preached on the New Testament's use of the Old Testament. Today, I want to return to 2 Timothy 3 and look at how God's God's Word inspires our daily living. 2 Timothy is a pastoral letter written by Paul, and the content within is significantly relevant for our lives today and for the church. Throughout this letter, one of the central themes is in the form of a warning Watch out for false teachers. As early as the first century AD, false doctrine was already penetrating the church. In fact, in many of our New Testament letters, we see that they're written to address some of these errors in doctrine, Galatians 6, Colossians 2, Titus 1. So I have the awesome task and responsibility of preaching today, not false doctrine, but on the topic of false doctrine. So let's begin with a few definitions. Doctrine is a set of ideas or beliefs that are taught or believed to be true. So biblical doctrine refers to teachings that align with the revealed word of God, the Bible. So false doctrine is any idea that adds to takes away from, contradicts, or nullifies biblical doctrine. Everybody okay so far? Paul was acutely aware of the damage inflicted by false teachers there in the early church, so he writes with a clear sense of urgency. 2 Timothy 1, 13. What you heard from me keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. The word sound in the Greek is hugiaino. It's a hard one because there's an iota there at the, after the gamma. So say this with me, hugiaino. Let's say that that's a rough breathing mark, so the upsilon makes a sound, not, not as bad as Hebrew, but hugiaino, say that. Okay, look to your neighbor and say, good try. We did tell you and warn you that this series, the Bible, is going to feel a little bit like a Bible class, but the word hugiaino means to be healthy, to be healthy. So what Paul is saying here is keep the pattern of teaching that is healthy, keep the pattern of teaching that is right and pure and uncontaminated and uncorrupted, teaching that builds up rather than tears down. Now... I hope that Redeemer Church is your church home, and I hope that you benefit from 
our preaching team here, but if you are hopping around churches, if you are looking for a church home, if you watch people on TV, if you watch preachers on social media, and if you listen to podcasts and you feed, feed, feed all week long on teachers and preachers from around the world, here's my suggestion to you. Be careful. Be careful. In our post-Christendom culture, churches have been pushed from the center to the margins. And sadly, in an effort to retain people in seats in sanctuaries across this land, entertaining, soothing, watered-down sermons are being preached everywhere. We cannot be ignorant when it comes to theology because Acts 20, 27 tells us that the whole counsel of God is available to us. Furthermore, in Ephesians, Paul writes that when we know the word of God, we're no longer spiritually immature children who are tossed back and forth like ships on a stormy sea and carried about by every wind of shifting doctrine among us by the cunning and trickery of dishonest men and their deceitful schemes. We don't have an excuse. We have to be careful what we're submitting our hearts and our minds to when it comes to doctrine. So how do we identify false doctrine today? I'm so glad you asked. I'm going to give you 15 red flags, filters to process through. And I would encourage you to absorb this right now. Don't try to write it down. If you want this list, I'll email it to you. Just send me a note. 15 red flags to look out for, to listen for, as you submit your heart and your mind to teaching. Do not submit to teaching the idea that there are many paths to God. Do not submit to teaching that erases heaven or hell from the meta-narrative of God's story, or teaching that contradicts the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching that identifies Christ as man, teacher, and prophet, but not God, teaching that denies the virgin birth, sinless nature, actual death, and physical resurrection of Jesus Christ. Teaching that adds any human religious works or efforts as a necessary ingredient for salvation. Teaching that diminishes grace, elevates condemnation, or presents grace as a license to sin. Teaching that fails to acknowledge the grossness of our sin and our need for a savior. Teaching that is tolerant of abuse violence, corruption, racism, and xenophobia, teaching that is void of justice and our responsibility to make things right in our world, teaching that is void of mission and our shared call to evangelism and to love our neighbor, teaching that neglects the widow, the orphan, the refugee, the sick, and the poor, Teaching that belittles anyone because of their gender, age, race, ethnicity, or sexual orientation. Teaching that solicits your money so that you might qualify for blessing or favor or healing from God. 
and teaching that lessens the relevance of the Old Testament in our New Testament era. Watch out for it. I'm sorry if I just ruined your favorite podcasts, (laughs) but I'm not sorry. Paul wrote that false doctrine would spread in the first century like gangrene. Therefore, we should not be surprised that it exists in our world today. This is why we stand on the affirmation that I shared two weeks ago in my sermon. We confess God's word, the holy scriptures of the Old and New Testament, as the only perfect rule for faith, doctrine, and conduct. How then can we be sure that we are ingesting biblical doctrine and not false doctrine? Here, I believe, are three incredibly reliable safety mechanisms that we can count on. One, the Holy Spirit. Two, rigorous study of Scripture. And three, communal discernment. Number one, the Holy Spirit. When we consider biblical doctrine You might think, Adam, you should start with the rigorous study of Scripture because you need to know God's Word to receive doctrine from it. But no, we have to begin with the Holy Spirit because of 1 Corinthians 2.12. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. Without the Holy Spirit, you can't understand your Bible. You can read it, you can study it, you can memorize it, but you don't understand how it applies to your life today. He is our source of all revelation. The Bible tells us no eye has seen and no ear has heard and not even the heart can imagine the things that God has prepared for those who love him without the Holy Spirit revealing it. Jesus promised this, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes He will guide you into all truth, John 16, 13. And I think we overcomplicate this just a little bit. So I'm going to illustrate this with a simple doctrinal story. Some of your coworkers, let's pretend they put together a Bible study every Monday in the conference room at work. And one of your coworkers says, I'm going to lead the Bible study. And you agree on the topic and all that, and you start gathering, and you're listening to this teacher, and she's teaching from Philippians chapter 2. And it's good. You're receiving, you're learning, you're agreeing. But then all of a sudden, she says, say, verse 7 says that Jesus was made in human likeness. And when he took on the form of humanity, he was no longer divine. He was fully human And because he was fully human, he could not be fully God. This is what you hear in your Bible study. So you go back to your desk, and you're kind of scratching your head, and you're thinking, I actually don't think that's true. I don't really agree with that. And there at your desk, you have one of two reactions, a cerebral reaction or an emotive reaction. That kind of depends on what kind of person you are. The cerebral reaction is like this. Something makes me think that Jesus was, in fact, fully human and fully divine. The emotive reaction is something makes me feel 
that Jesus was actually fully human and simultaneously fully divine. Think or feel. So, whether you react to this statement from your teacher with your brain or your gut, here's where we complicate things. It isn't something that makes you think. It isn't something that makes you feel. Are you tracking with me yet? It's someone, and he has a name, and it's Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is giving you this thought or this feeling to guard your heart and your mind from false doctrine. Thank you to the third row over here. I feel you right now. Is anybody else, could everybody just nod your head if you're with me this morning? Is it so crazy to believe that if my mind is set on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, that's Colossians 3, and if my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit and I glorify God with my body, 1 Corinthians 6, then just shout amen with me if you agree that God can guard us from false doctrine by depositing thoughts and feelings in our life. Okay, I'll move on to point two. (laughs) The Holy Spirit. Number two, rigorous study of Scripture. How many of you all know that we get really off track when you put the instructions aside and you try to do it on your own? If you're going to try to be prideful right now (laughs) and pretend like you've never screwed something up, that's between you and the Holy Spirit, who is point number one. Listen, just yesterday, my parents are in town visiting. They're going to be in the next service. So I'm going to decide between now and then if I'm going to change this illustration. (laughs) Just yesterday, my dad and I are on the back porch and we're putting together patio furniture. And first of all, I don't like a big cleanup responsibility. So I pull everything out of the box and I leave the box intact and then I put all the trash back in the box. My dad just takes his pocket knife and slashes the thing open, and there's styrofoam everywhere. It's completely unorganized. We start putting these chairs together, and I find myself bending the arm of the chair, and I look at my dad, and I literally make this statement, because I don't think I'm doing it wrong. I say, Dad, the arm of this chair is warped. (laughs) It's got to be the chair, not me. And he says to me, I got an arm on this chair that I'm putting together that's warped as well. I can't get it to line up. Where do you think the instructions were? About 10 feet over there on the ground, still in the wrapper. We messed up. We got off track. And I'm here to tell you, it's not my fault. I went to seminary to be a preacher. My dad builds houses for a living. He's a contractor. He could literally build a home with his two hands. But we got stuck on these dumb chairs because why? We left the instructions and tried to do it on our own. Thankfully, we have our Bibles, which are full of instruction for holy living. But within the text, there are instructions on how to use these instructions. Keep scripture on your lips. 
Meditate on it day and night, Joshua 1.8. Examine scripture daily, Acts 17. Be devoted to the apostles' teaching, Acts 2. Handle the word of truth correctly, 2 Timothy 2. And let it be a light unto your path, Psalm 119. Read scripture aloud, Revelation 1, and keep God's commands in your heart, Proverbs 3. Use scripture for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, 2 Timothy 3. Delight in God's decrees, Psalm 119. Hold on to his instruction and don't let it go, Proverbs 4. And fix God's word in your hearts and in your minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads and teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and you get up. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates and carefully observe these commandments and walk in obedience. Deuteronomy 11, these are instructions on how to use God's instruction. He tells us, the more we devote ourselves to reading, studying, memorizing, meditating, examining, and delighting in Scripture, the quicker we will respond and recognize incorrect doctrine from false teachers or ferocious wolves, as Jesus himself called them. Just take one more amen, and then I'll go to point three. Communal discernment. Another word for communal discernment is this, church. Church. We lean into the truth Together. So back to the illustration of your, your Bible uh, study teacher at work. This is where you go back to her and you invite her to coffee or to lunch and you ask her, can we process this more together? Let's lean into this. Let's, with mutual love and respect, because how many of y'all know that Christians can often have that posture of, let me tell you why you're wrong and I'm right. We can get into conversations seeking to be understood rather than to understand. So with love and humility and respect, we lean into the text together. Communal discernment and processing of Scripture was essential to the early church as they so deeply desired to understand truth and new revelation. If we could do the same, as the church I think it could serve to safeguard the text from misquotations, misunderstandings, misinterpretations. Another example, 50 of us today go to lunch, and whoever organized the lunch says, let's all talk about our favorite movie. And I say, my favorite movie is Forrest Gump. And somebody then says at lunch, Adam, What's your favorite scene? And then I say this, my favorite scene is when the kids were bullying Forrest as a child and his dear friend Jenny, or Jenny, says, jump, Forrest, jump. What would you do? Excuse me, Adam. I love that scene too. And I understand how you may have you know, misquoted it, but maybe let's get together and I'll pull it up on YouTube and remind you that Jenny actually said, run, Forrest, run. Okay? 
You may even remind me to bring back the memory. It, it sounds like this. Run, Forrest, run, right? You may even bring in the accent. You would do anything you, you would do anything you could to help remind me delicately, right, out of love and mutual respect and humility. Adam, you really blew it here. It's not jump, it's run. And why? You would do it to preserve the integrity of the movie. We can do this with the Bible, friends, to preserve the integrity of Scripture by reading it and processing it together. That's why we refuse, like a lot of churches in the world today, to just cancel a ministry called Sunday School. We value it. It's a part of our DNA as a church, the rigorous study of Scripture through communal discernment by following our guide, the Holy Spirit. This is why we have Bible studies. This is why we have men's fellowship. We have a Bible study with Brandon starting this Wednesday for all adults, 1 John. He's been working on it for months. This is why we value these things, so that we can grow together, lean into the text together, process it together, and safeguard the integrity of Scripture. Safeguard the church Safeguard especially new and younger believers from other so-called testaments of Jesus Christ that continue to be printed and circulate that completely twist and distort the truth. Communal discernment. Speaking of, have you ever wondered why the Bible has 66 books inspired by God? You've likely heard it called the canon which is a word that literally means measuring rod. So canonicity describes the standard that books had to meet to be recognized as authoritative scripture. Early Christians gathered those first few centuries and they leaned into the text together under the guidance of the Holy Spirit to discern which one of these texts are authoritatively divine. And as the council met, They determined this through a list of tests. Is it authoritative? Books had to originate from spiritual leaders, prophet, king, judge, apostle. Is it authentic? Which asks the question, is it consistent with other revelation of truth? Is it dynamic? Does it demonstrate God's life-changing power and transformation in the individual, in the community, in the church? And is it universally accepted and used by believers everywhere? Under the guidance of the Spirit, they rigorously studied the text and followed a process called communal discernment. Thus, we have our biblical canon, a collection of books inspired by God, distinguished by their divine qualities, reception by the collective body, and their apostolic connection either by authorship or association. Anybody thankful for the Bible today? Communal discernment's how we have our Bibles in the first place. The Holy Spirit, rigorous study of Scripture, communal discernment. This keeps us on the straight and narrow path in our relationship with Scripture. The world we live in is constantly attempting to distort the truth. And I was reading this week in Amos Chapter 8, about a famine in the land. 
And it's not a famine of food, and it's not a famine of water. It's a famine of hearing the truth, hearing the proclamation of God's word. Friends, I don't want to imagine living in a land that dismisses the Bible, that ignores the Bible, or that lacks the Bible all together. So, as a church, we do as Jesus instructed us to do in John 8. If we are truly his disciples, we hold on to his teaching. No matter what. Will you pray with me? God, we believe in the Old and New Testaments as the only perfect rule for all matters of faith, doctrine, and conduct. And I believe there are many here, if not all, who with me grieve as we live in a culture that wants to water down, change, modify, add to, subtract from, or disregard your word altogether. That's not who we are, God. We love the truth because we love Jesus, who once said, I am the way, and I am the truth, and I am the life. May Redeemer Church as a whole, but also each one of us as individuals, maintain and preserve true doctrine in our hearts now and forevermore. Amen. Once again, thank you for listening to the Redeemer Church podcast. To stay connected to all that God is doing here at Redeemer, visit our website at RedeemerTulsa.org or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have a blessed week.